welcome to a special edition of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with senior editor Rob Hill-Williams. Hello, everybody. And I'm here with our other senior editor, Nick Santangelo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Yes, and we are here bringing you the State of the Gaming Union 2012. Uh, basically, we're just going to talk about some, some a couple of different items from last year that we think will you know, affect us you know, this gaming year in 2012. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about those for a little bit and, you know, see if we can come up with some uh, some good conversation, I guess. That's just what we do here on the MASHcast. We sit, record, talk about stuff. It's pretty amazing. And yeah. by, you know, by we, he means he's going to stand and talk for two hours. Me and Nick are going to take a nap because that's you know, how the real state of the union works. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome yeah. to our amazing new format. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's a lot less work for Rob and I, so yeah. a lot more work for Jared. Anyway. Yep, let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk, we're going to start off talking about online passes. Uh, this is something that we definitely saw increase last year. Um, not only just increase, but also uh, the re- we saw a few bad results come from the the, the online passes, like people getting new games and the online pass is not working. Um, items not uh, downloading correctly, not being able to redeem online passes because, you know, certain networks were down due to hacking. Uh, that's, oh. P- that's PSN, if you didn't get that little reference there. But, um, yeah, so online passes. What do you guys, what do you guys, uh, you guys think we're going to see more of this, less of this? What's up? For now, I think we're going to see more. Um, I don't see them stopping because, you know, like the average consumer, you know, even though there may be hiccups and stuff like that, like may have some issues. But for the most part, like they're not going to actively not buy a game just because it has an online pass, you know, unless they unless it's somebody who only goes out and buys games used. And in a lot of cases, people are still buying it. I mean, EA made a, a few million off of online passes this year. So not only is it like i mean people are actively buying them so some people don't care i guess <laughs> or it doesn't make much of a difference to them so i think we're going to see it increase until you start seeing games like fail because like an online passes with it um you know stuff like homefront maybe but like homefront had other issues other than just an online pass yeah so i don't think we'll see killed homefront yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it helped but it was it certainly wasn't right. the cause of its demise right. so i think we'll see it increase until people actually start getting to the point where they're like, we're going to boycott games for online passes. And if things keep going so badly with them, like, you know, there were so many issues this year, then I think we're, until that happens, until it starts hitting, like, reaching a critical mass or whatever, I think we'll, they're going to keep trying to put them in the games. Yeah, uh, Nick, you got, you got anything? Yeah, I certainly would agree with Rob. I mean... I don't think enough people are like truly outraged about them that it's going to stop and I don't think there's really been any problems for the publishers in terms of them, you know, losing losing out on money. So why would they stop especially like he said it with EA making money? I don't I don't see it going away. I don't really like it and I'm really tired of just how long it takes to just put in a fucking game and start playing these days. Is anybody else really sick of that? Just like I gotta put in this code and I gotta put in that code. Is gotta do this and that and the other. It's just what happened in the days when I just put a game in and it started. I mean, I agree to a certain extent, but I don't necessarily. It doesn't. 
hurt, hinder my experience so much that like by the time I'm done, like I don't want to play a game unless there is a problem, you know. Like, but I've not. I've been fortunate enough to like never get a code and have it just not work, or or open a game and not have a code inside. Like for all the issues that happened this year, like I didn't personally experience any of them. So for me, it's just you know I know to open up the game, put in my code before I even start playing. Or in a lot of cases, like I haven't even put in codes. Like I didn't put in codes for like a few different games that have a multiplayer function because like I only played the single player for some of those games this year. So I don't know. Yeah, I only had. I did have a problem. Nothing, nothing major. Like a lot of other people, I had a problem with Batman, um, Arkham City. That's the one I thought I was gonna have a problem with, and I didn't. I opened my case like as soon as I saw the news, I went right and opened the case. And I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're all right." I don't I was remember sure. what, what happened exactly, but I know there were people who had like so many different problems with that. I think we discussed before in a match cast. It was it was weird because it wasn't just like. Everybody's running into this problem where this code doesn't work. It was like people had two of the same code. People had one code that worked and one code that didn't because there was um, a code for Robin and there was a code for Catwoman. And then people had cards that had no code printed on it at all. It just people didn't have the card. The card was entirely missing. It was like there were so many things wrong with that. Yeah, it was really random. It was really, yeah, it was really botched. And I mean, like the other thing too that that bears mentioning, and this is why, like. Until it like reaches a critical header, you start seeing more of this. Like, Batman was single player, had no multiplayer function, and they still managed to like, yeah, that's true, <laughs> shoehorn an online that's pass into it. So like, I I mean, if like you can get away with that, I can. I as soon as publishers, I think, start doing more of that, I think that's when people start to notice and they start getting upset because you can't even enjoy like a single player game anymore without, without having something pass. cut out. Right. It's like it's kind of almost worse than like day one DLC in a certain in a certain way, but. I mean, maybe when you start seeing more of that, but I mean, like, this is the year that online passes made it to single-player games, realistically, so. And you know, I, I really, I don't necessarily mind online passes so much. I guess maybe because as of right now, I don't have to put them in every game. Um, but, like, you know, if I have to start popping online pass in for a single-player on every Xbox game, and an online pass for every single player on PS3, that's going gonna, gonna to start getting annoying. But I don't know if it's to the point that I'm going to not buy a game. I mean, the whole right. reason the whole online pass thing came about was because of, uh, you know, uh, the secondhand sales. And this is their way of fighting back secondhand sales. Because, I mean, I mean it's no secret that GameStop limits how much new product they, they stock. You know, so that people can buy these games, which they sell for five, ten dollars less than a new game, but the publisher gets none of that money. And GameStop's making like at least a hundred percent profit. Oh yeah, they're making, especially with those newer games. Like they're making at least a hundred percent profit. <laughs> they're they're making money hand over fist. I mean, we just talked about a few weeks ago in Canada how they're, uh, you know, they're telling, you know, they're telling everybody to put the new the used games in front of the new games so people buy their used games first as opposed to the new games right they're and, not segregating them anymore they now have the same color price labels so like it's it's becoming like you need to really be paying attention and a lot of the average consumers don't don't yeah they walk into the store and considering you get a lot of the games the same way you pick up a game take it to the counter you know they put a thing in it slap it into a bag or whatever and give it to you you don't know parents don't know picking up a game for your kids a lot of times so yeah, and, you know, it's instead of the publishers directly engaging GameStop, like, hey, hey, stop, you know, stop stealing our, our shit, you know, they, they just, oh, well, we'll put online passes in. 
And then, give, and then, like, in the case of like Batman, like, give GameStop passes for used games without any extra cost. So it's like, what was the point? What was the point of it in the first place? It, it's weird because, like, they, it definitely is kind of like a parasitic relationship. Like, GameStop definitely, like, has changed like the secondhand market on its own i don't think there's an issue with there's not really a problem with the secondhand market there never has been you can have yard sales you can give a game to a friend i don't see like the major issue with that especially when a lot of times like you know giving a game to a friend like engenders the fact that like they'll go out and buy the next game because they like the one that they played or whatever but when you have gamestop and they literally have made a business literally have made like a, a a, a multi-million dollar, maybe, I guess maybe billion, I guess multi-million still, but million dollar business off of really just pushing used, used games because they don't make any real money on any new games. They wouldn't be in business if they if they sold new games like everybody else did. So, I mean, like they've warped to what the, used, what the second-hand market was. They've exploited it. Right, and like it's funny because like all you see, and, and the whole reason you have seen online passes is, is to combat that type of secondhand market where it's such a quick turnaround that like you can get a new game within a couple of days of being out without paying full price for it and not giving any of that money to the publisher even when you're not paying full price. And they can go ahead and resell the same game over and over and over and over again. Right, it becomes like an abusive relationship, but it's so parasitic and it's funny because like that's the whole reason online passes exist. Like realistically, like that's why they exist. It's not because of piracy, because piracy it wouldn't matter. You know, like it's it, it wouldn't. So, this is really about GameStop, but like no publisher is ballsy enough to say like we don't need you because you're only hurting us. It's just it's weird. I mean, like I, I want like I mean I'm sure they've got bean counters sitting there who are going you know well we made this much money doing business with GameStop this year you know we can't really afford over like a you know a projected number of you sales to to like cut them loose. You know, right. because then they'll, and they'll also promote somebody else then. So I guess they're scared, but it's weird that you're going to like make such a big thing about online passes, but really only people who are suffering when stuff goes wrong with it consumers. Yeah, which is kind of the way that that's always the way it goes. So, but uh, along with the the online passes came season passes this year, which I don't, we, I don't really believe we saw that beforehand. No, wow. this is really the first year. The EA and Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds stupid to say it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, like, we were getting used to the whole... Well, DLC, I think, reached a whole new low this year in terms of, you know, just day one DLC. Like, this year, DLC really felt like they took just parts of the game. Like, they finished the game and took parts of it. And then said, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sell this separately." Yep. Right. Because yep. I mean, how 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 else do you have day one DLC? And even if you have day one DLC, like especially when you know it's behind like a hundred and thirty eight kilobyte file that you download that you paid six dollars for or whatever to unlock a character or some shit. Yeah. Like, how much more blatant <laughs> like, can you can you Come be on. about it? I like at least like at least make me feel like you actually like did like have somebody working separately on day one DLC. 
I mean, like, yeah, day one DLC, like, it doesn't work. Like, even, like, week one DLC, I would say, doesn't really work because, like, it pretty much shows that you already had all that stuff ready, which means it could have been included with the full game for the same price, but you just chose not to. Well, now we're at the point where they're talking about the DLC before the game comes out. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, that's that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Or, like, oh, this game's going to have, you know, more substantial DLC, but less of it, or this is going to have more, like, this time we'll have DLC. Like, I don't care. Give me a game. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because yeah, it used to be DLC that... I I play the damn game. Yeah, it used I, to be that... playing DLC on the first day or the first week anyways. Why do you need DLC then? Right. What, what does it need for that? I have the game. I just got the game. I didn't play the game yet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just trying to play the game. That don't work. Think about DLC. Yeah. Is that crazy or what? I yeah. mean, DLC used to be used to extend the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you finished Alan Wake. A couple months later, DLC for Alan Wake comes out. You know, that's when DLC, I think people started getting DLC, but they took that as like, oh, people like DLC, so let's start hacking stuff off of the game and right. just, sell, you know, make it DLC. But no, you're missing the point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but let's be honest, the gaming industry, publishers and stuff miss the point a lot <laughs> when it comes to a lot of things. Digital, you know, secondhand, this. Yeah. It's <laughs> the point a lot of the time. Get, and it yeah. takes them some time to, I guess, catch up. Yeah. So, I mean, this all ties in the season passes because, I mean, all season passes is, is all access pass to a bunch of DLC. So, basically, <laughs> if you want to say it, because most season passes cost 30 bucks. So, yeah. technically speaking, if you want the entire game now, you're paying $90 per video game. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, per video game with season pass. I mean, it's technically speaking, well, not technically speaking, but it is cheaper to buy a season pass instead of buying DLC all separately. So That you know. assumes that you buy all the DLC for the game. And the weird part is, like, there's, and I'm, I'm really running a blank on, like, which season pass this year had it, but, like, there was a season pass this year where, like, you got, like, the first few months of DLC for free. Oh, I think it was Elite, I think. You get, like, like all of it for like a certain time frame during that year for free, but then after that you get a discount on all DLC after the fact. And I'm like, so you're not even getting DLC for like the whole year you have a subscription or whatever. Wow. Like for the past. I, I'm pretty sure it's elite. I may be wrong, so don't like nobody flame me if I'm wrong. But there definitely was a season pass I saw this year where a certain amount of time you got the DLC for free, but then the rest of the year you only got a discount. So I'm like, you're still not even ninety dollars still doesn't cover it under a lot of cases like you're still gonna pay more if you want all that dlc but really realistically like is the dlc even worth it for most games exactly like you know to me in my opinion dlc should be slapping on an additional few hours of gameplay you know what i'm saying like i i would expect at least four to five hours of gameplay Is, is that unreasonable I don't think so. Not if you're talking like, not if you're really talking like the original purpose of DLC, which was to extend the gameplay. So right. four or five hours, depending on the size of your game. If your game was only ten hours, like okay, maybe a couple of hours would be good. But you know, if you're talking like a game that had like fifty plus hours of gameplay, like four or five hours is not unreasonable. Like I think Mass Effect was Mass Effect Two was the game that got it best as far as like DLC. And even they screwed up. Like, even all of their DLC wasn't worth buying. So you can't tell me that somebody else that has, you know, map packs or whatever as DLC, like, that all of those are worth buying. You, you can't. <laughs> you, you literally can't sit there and tell me because I might punch you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, uh, DLC just being exploited at this point, it just really feels like, I don't know, I, I'm, it really feels that they're just pull, trying to pull extra money out of the consumer with season passes and DLC at this point. Um, We'd all benefit a lot if they moved more to a less frequent and more meaty DLC strategy. I think which, so. Which is what Bethesda has been talking about with Elder Scrolls, and I'm really happy to hear that. Especially for like the, these enormous Bethesda RPGs, where again, it's like, it's going to take me a while to beat this. There's a lot of content here. I don't right. need don't DLC for a, a while. Armor. I don't right. even need it the next month. You know, give, me, give me a couple months, then come out with like a serious like quest line that's going to last... Like you said, four to five hours. I think that's that's nice. Yeah, like, that'll, that'll be interesting. Possibly if they came out with a DLC every quarter, you know, right? Yeah, that would be fine. Like what Red Dead did, like zombie, like zombie, the zombie expansion. Like, yeah, it was a little weird, but like, and it didn't necessarily have anything to do with the main game. But like, that's why it worked, and it was like a whole another, basically like a whole other game. So it's like, do that. You only got to release one then, <laughs> if you really want to get if you really want to get technical. Like especially if you're in a year to year release for games, like then you only got to make one expansion. You can leave it alone, and people will be happy. And people, buy, and if it's good enough, people will buy it, even if it is you know twenty bucks or whatever. Like because it's substantial enough that it it justifies it, you know. But the other thing too is that like pricing, pricing needs to get better. Like if you're only gonna if you're giving me a character for a fighting game or when there's already like 20 characters on your roster or you're giving me an hour of extra gameplay or something like purely cosmetic, like don't charge $6 for say like Robin in Batman Arkham city or something. And you can only use him for challenge maps. Oh like, yeah. You can't even play him in the full game. Yeah. or something. Like don't, don't charge me $5 for every mortal Kombat character or Marvel's Capcom character or blaze blue even like, and it's just one character amongst like a cast of thousands, so I'm paying like ten percent, like almost like ten percent of what I paid for the game to get a character. Like that doesn't make any sense, you know. Pricing <laughs> at least makes sense, especially since more than likely those characters are already made. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, almost in, in almost every case. I can't think of anywhere like I've downloaded like actually I haven't even downloaded a character, but like you know have seen like the the download sizes or files for like a character and they're like oh yeah that that was totally like something done after the fact yeah, yeah. <laughs> well actually wasn't freddy krueger um actually a pretty large dlc download that was that was an exception but the rest of the characters were more or less like yeah exactly yeah. In. Yeah. they were already but there I mean, you just unlocked them yeah yeah so I definitely think we're going to see more. Actually, you know what? I'm not even sure exactly sure how successful the season passes were. I'm curious. I'm very curious exactly how the EA Sports season pass was. Like, is it, what is it? I can't remember what exactly it's called. I think it might just be called the EA it's Sports just, season pass. It's EA Sports season pass. Yeah. Like, or season ticket, I think. A season ticket, yeah. And like, because but, that one was weird, man. Like, oh, yeah, you can download and play the game a few days before it comes out. But when it comes out, you just can't download it. Like it's the download stops working. You actually have to go and pick it up. Yeah, that's the thing. And like season passes, like I mean, they're kind of related to online passes, but they're just they're so much different in a way. But like season passes, like were not across the board like similar to each other. You had some where the season pass got you all the content that you for that year or whatever that you paid for for the season pass. You had other ones like the one I talked about before, where you get you know partial you know free dlc and then the rest is discounted then you have stuff like elite where it's like 
you know, matchmaking and all these other services like plus DLC, you know, and depending on whether or not I was right, like, you know, then a discount or whatever, like, and then you have season, you know, EA Sports where it's, you get to play the game for 72 hours before it launches, but you still have to go buy the game. And you can do that for any of the sports games that came out this year. And I don't even know if you got a discount on DLC. Like, I literally think it was just so you could play the games early. Like, well, yeah, and that's more of an advertising tool for EA. I, I, don't, I don't even really see a benefit to the players. Like, that's an advertising tool because, like, yeah, so you, we're paying you for the ability to play a full copy of your game, which is and it's, that stops working. You know what I'm saying? That you know when the game actually comes out, that's just a really long demo. Yeah, and it's 20 percent discount on their paid DLC, and I'm like, that's. I don't even. I can't even really think of like that many like DLC th- for any of their sports games. Like I. I can't, like, I can't think of a single instance this year, like, unless, like, you're talking, like, somebody, unless you're somebody who's, like, hugely into their new, uh, the Ultimate Team stuff that they have in all their, their sports games this year, or not all of them, but the, you know, hockey, Madden, you know, soccer, like, you can get a 20% discount on, like, purchasing your packs, but, like, other than that, like, there is no DLC, really, so... I don't know. It's got like a limited interest. So like season passes were very all over the place this year. There wasn't like a unified idea of what they should be. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's one trend. I actually, I don't know. Unless they start doing stuff that kind of that kind of pressures people into getting the season passes versus the DLC. I mean, I don't care if they keep it around or not, but. Let's really hope they don't start doing that. Yeah, I, like, I probably I, will at some I, point. But that's the thing, I can't really, will. I can't think of a way for them to try to pressure people into the season passes, but yeah, they have some marketing guy that does. Well, <laughs> yeah, there is some guy sitting around who's thinking about how to do exactly that, but, um, but really thinking about it, I'm like, only necessarily maybe games where DLC is a huge deal, like I see like, you know, Elite working out because of the other stuff they give you in addition to your map packs and all that stuff. And then, like, some people are hardcore enough that like season ticket may stick around, but I don't think it'll ever be like a huge, a huge deal. But like, yeah, like especially with like there being so much, so all over the place. Unless there was a game that really like was mostly DLC like, once you bought it, like that's the only way I could see them pressuring you into like needing to get a season ta- like a season ticket or season pass. Like that's the only way. Yeah, but like for most games, like the way that they are now, like I don't see it working for Gears. Like you really like Call of Duty, unless you start taking maps out of games or something. Yes, and that's the thing. Like, oh, you can only get this if you have the season pass. Like, right, really? like oh, it's super exclusive, really? you know. And it's yeah. like, but you had twelve maps in your game last year, and now there's four. <laughs> you know, like why do I need to get a season pass? Oh, because you took stuff out of your game. See, that's the kind of critical mass I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think we're going to continue to see season passes because I haven't heard any failure stories, but I also haven't heard any really big success stories either. So I'm pretty sure we'll see more of that. Uh, One thing we're definitely going to see more of, free-to-play games. I think This year we got quite a few. We're going to start seeing them in swarms, I think. And I think that's going to be the death of free-to-play games. (laughs) Once Once we start seeing free-to-play games in swarm, they're going to die because it's it's too much. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I, there's so, the, the, there'll be so many. The free-to-play the free to play apocalypse is what I'm going to call it because like, there's going to be so many that it's just going to spread the gamer's time so so far. You know, we there's only so much time we have to play these games. 
you know. But uh, when you look at, I think success uh, success stories like I, I think you call DCU kind of successful because if they weren't successful at free to play, they'd be shut down by now. Um, I'm curious to see how APB is doing after they're free to play because I definitely see way more people on my Steam list playing APB now that it's free to play. Um, you know, play War Inc. and that's just the name of a few. I see on our website, I see ads for free to play games all the time. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I'm just right now. There's a lot. I just I just predict more. I, I think more are going to come out, um, especially as you know. One, I can see games coming out like a, like an MMO not do so well. Okay, f- boom, just flip to a free to play model. It's already happened. It's already happened a bunch. You know, like you had Lord of the Rings do it, Conan. You had DC Universe do it. Even though I guess that game probably wasn't doing badly, but like I mean, it going free to play totally flipped its script. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else this year? Yeah, maybe I mean, but like those were like games that like were like subscription model games before, and they just didn't do that well. Oh, Warcraft or Warhammer. I mean, um, went free to play. Even World of Warcraft kind of Whoa. introduced like a slight free to play well, aspect. That's the same but thing that's that Warhammer really... did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Warhammer is you can get up to tier one only. And um, you, you can stay free there forever. But, but I've played Warhammer for a long time. I could live like that. <laughs> Be honest with you. Like, the way that game is set up, I could fight Tier 1 for the rest of my life. No. But, uh, yeah, yeah. A whole bunch of games did it. I think we're just going to see more. But you know what I'm afraid of? That it's actually promoting, like, subpar games. Because here's the deal. DCU did not fail because of a subscription. It failed because of a subscription, and it wasn't worth it. Like, think about it, Rob. Like, would you really be playing DC right you know, now if you had paid? We for already it? talked about that. Yeah. So if if the game was if the game was still subscription, would have never bothered. Exactly. It was, and, and even when it went free to play, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And even then, didn't get into it right away. But like, then eventually, like, started sitting down and playing it, and was like, oh. And and another thing is, they also did their free to play model right. I think, yeah, like compared to a lot of things, because a lot of things are like, it's just, it's almost as bad as, you know, like, cut off DLC, it's like, you start the game, and like, within like, two levels, you're like, okay, you need to buy something, or whatever, to, to go further. Or oh, that's like APB. That's like yeah. APB. Like, APB, uh, and I'm gonna get back to DC in a second, but APB, like, every time you finish a mission, they're like, you got this much XP, but you could have this much XP if you purchased the subscription. You know, and like some of the guns in APB, another no-no, a sixty-five-dollar DL like gun that I can buy. Are you yeah. kidding? No. And that's and that's another that thing I saw ridiculous. this year too. I got there's a hundred-dollar car in Need for Speed World. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess you know, like you don't have to get it or whatever, but just the fact that it exists maybe points to something being kind of wrong. I don't know, unless the game is like that worth it to somebody, but. Um, but yeah, DCU. Like, if it wasn't, if it hadn't gone free to play, nope, never would have played it. Well, my thing is, even if I would have played DCU, let's say I would have tried it out on the subscription model. What the way? I mean, it, I, it's a good game. It's it's a it's a it's fun to play, but I don't think there's enough there to to hold me to paying fifteen bucks a month. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, I, I think we're gonna see more. For example, even like War Inc. Like. I mean, I play War Inc. free to play, but I would never, I would never pay for that game. You know, that's the thing. The same thing with APB. Actually, APB had a subscription model, failed, and then came back. You know, they had, the, they, they were just going to totally shut her, you know, shut her down. 
But yeah, APB is a weird story. Yeah, that's the thing because it, it was not worth, you know, it was not worth the the, the subscription, and it also it had some problems. So, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that's I think we're gonna see way more free to play. Not that uh, not that I guess it's a, a really bad thing, but I think we're gonna see too much. Like you know, like you know how everybody was like, oh, mobile is lucrative. Oh, let's all get into mobile. You know, Let's games, and look, look what happened to you know the iTunes. Like, it, you have games that are coming out that are definitely worth five dollars, ten dollars, and people won't pay over a dollar for. You know, you devalue your your games, right? And then the cannibalization of having so many free to play games in the same market. Like, the whole draw to free to play is the fact that it's free, which is the idea that gets people to to even download it and play it in the first place because people like free, which is the whole basic concept behind why free-to-play is supposed to work, you know, and, you know, if people like it enough, then they'll spend money on it. But if you have, you know, if you go from five or ten games on the market that are free-to-play to 50-plus, even if people want to play the game, like, they're not going to play all those games. Even if they find, you know, 20 they want to play, they're not going to play them all. They're not going to spend money on all those games. So you're kind of hurting yourself, like, just even doing it. Like, in a way, I feel like the older public kind of came out at the right time. Because, like, yeah, like, free-to-play is so big and people are so focused on it right now. But there's going to be, like, a swing back or, like, a as long as, like, you're providing enough of a service for a subscription model that, like, people are going to go back to, like, trying to make a better game, more or less. I just think it's like a whole lot of just get the game out, you know, like get it in beta or something and get it out there and get it free to play and let people play it. And then when it's, you know, done and then you have stuff, people will pay for it, pay money for it. I don't know. It just seems backwards. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see exactly what happens. I don't know of any free to play games on the horizon right now, but then again, I also don't know of too many MMOs and works besides like Guild Wars 2, you know, mm-hmm. coming out. But, you know, those, those free to play games kind of sprang up, <laughs> you know, with the bigger ones this year that we, that we found were DCU, uh, APB, you know, did Lord of the Rings go free to play this year? Or was it last year? I want to say this year being 2011. I want to say it went free to play this year, but like previously, like I mean, the game had been out for a while, but it was it was subscription model before that. But I could be wrong though. Um, I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty. I think it was this year because it, it seemed to be the year that everything went free to play. Hmm. Okay. Well. Uh, right, so the the next on our agenda here is uh, the no sue. EULA clauses that have become popular this year. Um, Sony, Microsoft, and EA for Origin, that is, all have no sue EULA clauses, which basically means um, you basically, by, by, by agreeing to the EULA, you give up your right to trial by jury to see a judge. You can only, uh, you can only, the only legal process you can go through with them is arbitration. And uh, yeah, that and you biggest thing you give up uh, the right to class action lawsuit. <laughs> so you give up a lot. Basically, if something were to happen, let's say Sony got hacked again or PSN got hacked again, and this time somebody did steal your information and use it to you know buy a whole bunch of stuff, the only recourse you have against Sony would be arbitration. 
and they're just going to keep you wrapped up in arbitration forever. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point uh, behind that. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people think the whole thing started with Sony when it really didn't. Um, it really started with AT&T. It, uh, back, I think, shortly before Sony, shortly before Sony, uh, actually put their EULA into motion, I think like a month or so ago, they, a month ago, so before that AT&T had changed their terms of service so that, you know, their clients couldn't sue them for whatever reason. I'm not sure what prompted that from AT&T. But then Sony put it into play, and there was a little, I guess, a little buzz about it, but nobody really did anything about it. You had an opt-out, which you had to send a letter within 30 days of, uh, you know, putting the EULA in. Oh, well, I say agreeing to the EULA. Microsoft did the same thing. Supposedly there's an opt-out for, for Origin, but I haven't seen it. Um, it was the same. You had this in the letter. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder who else is going to try to take this approach, you know, in, in the coming future. And this, since it's becoming more more popular. And the, obviously the, 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 big, the, the publishers don't care that, you know, that you're giving away that you're giving away your rights here. You know, they're just trying to protect themselves as opposed to, you know, protect the consumer. But basically, by agreeing to the EULA, you're giving them free reign to kind of do what they want. You know, not make sure they have the top security or, you know, all their holes plugged on the network. You know? But what do you guys think? Well, it's shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what else is there really to say about something like that? Like, if you bungle something really badly and you get hacked or you don't have, you know, proper security and you lose you know, customers' information and people are open up to fraud and all those sorts of things, you basically get a free pass. There's nothing in that that's good for, for customers. Like, there's no reason that anybody should, like, sit there and take that line down or not opt out or whatever. Like, you, you're literally having your rights removed to, like, your usually your only recourse against, like, a huge corporation. Because people don't have the money to stand toe to toe in court with those huge corporations, and you're not even you don't even have the right to even go to court to even try and do that because like they're removing your right to sue. Period. Like you have to like go one on one in arbitration, which doesn't necessarily cost you as much money, but it's a a third party. It's not you know it's not legal. It's not a judge. You know it's it, you're getting screwed. Like short, long, short and everything else of it is you're getting screwed. And I'm and as long as people, you know, I mean like there's been some uproar and stuff like that, but I don't think it's really like on the level like enough that like you're going to see other people try and do it. Anybody that's like got an opening to perhaps being hacked or anything, which is pretty much everybody at this point. Um anybody that holds on to credit card information, has a service that's running, uh anybody that can be opened up to a class action lawsuit is probably going to try it at least once. So, no bueno. Yeah, it's really bad. It's just complete backdoor loophole bullshit. It, it's just, it's unfortunate that everybody, all the corporations just always seem to be able to find some friggin' loophole like that to screw people over with stuff. Uh, but it's, you know, if you got a problem with it, like Rob was saying, you gotta make more, we got to make more noise about it. 
because unless people do, unless it really causes a problem and people really freak out on a large scale, they just keep get, just keep on doing it. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I'm trying. To, it's probably you know what's probably going to happen. It's probably going to take for somebody to get hacked, some information gets stolen, and then somebody try to do it. You know, do a lawsuit and it get blocked for people to start making big noise about it. The reason I, I think the thing is I I can't really see how this can really stand up in court. You know. How can this stand up in court? Like, you know, oh, you you give up your right to class action lawsuit, you know. But the thing is, as a single person, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to get that overturned. You know, you, a whole bunch of people would have to, you know, kind of go up against it at the same time. So I don't know. We'll guess we'll, we'll just see how that whole situation plays out. I know EA, Sony, and Microsoft are all uh, just really hoping it probably hoping it blows over, you know. Yeah, but uh, we'll just see how that goes. Uh, now, the next on the docket is uh, the effect of games as an entertainment medium and uh, what that's really done to the to the industry. Like, you know, a lot of people aren't viewing video games as video games, <laughs> per se, anymore. It, they're kind of viewing it in the same, uh, the same light that you look at movies as, like, you know, something... It's just entertainment in general. Uh, I think the biggest... The biggest example of that is Call of Duty. Call of Duty uh, is the biggest example. Because I was, I was talking to Nick about this beforehand. And I, I'm actually playing through Modern Warfare 3 now. And there are just parts of it where I'm there. And I'm controlling the player or controlling the character. But I'm not doing anything. Like, there's active fighting going on. But all I'm doing is carrying in the guy that's hurt. Or, like, you know, me and my special forces unit, we're going through stealthily trying to kill people, but I'm not taking any shots. I don't even get a chance to take a shot because all the enemies die from the NPCs fighting, you know, or shooting everybody else. So, it's more done for set piece, you know, just kind of like so people can say, oh, odd. You know, these, Michael Bay movie, yeah. Yeah, pretty much these these huge set pieces that they that they want to set up and... I don't know, like, to me, that's not playing a game. It's kind of like being part of an interactive movie. And that's, I mean, I personally, I have problems with that. You yeah, know? it's not it's not a bad thing some of the time, but it's not what I go into games looking for. Like, it's not an experience I want from every single game. But unfortunately, because it's so successful, because it's made so much money and keeps making so much money, it keeps getting focused on, you know, that like, well, we want to be more like that. So, you know, now you have like games being more like Michael Bay movies than maybe any other director, <laughs> like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like a retrospect, you know, introspection and, you know, thoughtful things are kind of on the down, you know, on the downturn or maybe not downturn, but they're definitely in the minority. Like everything's about, you know, the nuke going off or, you know, stopping an alien invasion or the, you know, the big, you know, big spectacle. Um, and on top of that, there's just the whole, you know, the, the expectations now of selling a game, you know, from, from developers, even if you're not making those, that kind of a game. So if you're not selling five, six plus million copies of a game, like you're basically getting looked at as kind of a failure. So it's, yeah, I think that's gotten really out of control. If oh it didn't sell ten million copies, well let's close the studio down and never make anything like that ever again ever. 
and that happened that sort of thing happened so many times this year it's ridiculous and you're like didn't that game do kind of decent like yeah but it wasn't call of duty so fail yeah like 12 game studios closed in 2011 and that and 12 game studios that didn't make bad games you know bizarre black rock um a visceral that the, the the specific office that made dead space 2 at visceral got closed down Dead Space 2, great game. Excellent game. And actually did pretty well. Still got shut down this year. Yeah, that one that one really pisses me off that they shut them down. Yeah, so I don't know. And even like you can see the influence of something like Call of Duty, even in Battlefield. Look at the Battlefield single player. You know, it's it the Battlefield single player, like I was hoping that it would play more like uh Medal of Honor as opposed to, you know, the twenty ten Medal of Honor. But it didn't. It played more like Call of Duty. You know, that's the thing. Well, uh, EA played right into the whole, you know, look out, Call of Duty, here we come. We're coming for you. Right. By doing the same thing you're doing? Yeah, what? single player was nothing but, you know, attempting to ride the Call of Duty train. I mean, like, multiplayer was still, you know, still Battlefield, even though it had its own issues. But single player was, like, not even worth the time, <laughs> really. So yeah. many times we've seen in the industry, um, like a high-profile game come out and be like, "I'm going to be the the whatever killer." You know, this is going to be the Grand Theft Auto killer or the, the Call of Duty killer or the Halo killer. And the way it's going about it is, we're going to make pretty much the same game. Only, you know, obviously not exactly the same, but clearly making the same type of thing. And the thing that usually kills trends and stuff is the thing that you never saw coming. That's completely different. So it it's, yeah. doesn't seem like a viable strategy to, I'm going to beat you by making the same thing you make. And the thing that killed me the most about Battlefield was the fact that we know DICE can make great single-player games. They made Medal of Honor, which is a great single-player, had a great single-player. Bad Company, Bad Company 2, great single-players. Like, if they would have taken the formula they, they took to make Bad Company and put it into Battlefield, it would have been an awesome single-player. We know. Or even Medal of Honor, Kyle Battlefield is more serious than, let's say, Bad Company. But, you know, Metal, that, that Medal of Honor single player from 2010, incredible. Best first person single player all year. You know? But they instead, I think they felt the pressure of needing to have those big set pieces because that's what people want, right? No, that's not what people want because people don't play the Call of Duty single player. Except yeah. me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, That's a good point. Call of Duty is popular because of the multiplayer. You know, so it's got it's kind of almost like they don't even really care about the single player. You know, because the single player is the, them just throwing enemies at you, making big explosions, and doing things in slow motion. I know, because I just played it today. <laughs> you, know, I, or, you know, I've been playing over the last few days, but, you know, this is all I've been seeing. You know, it's the same as Modern Warfare 2, um, same as the first Modern Warfare, you know, and this, I don't know, there's this whole, you know, big as a, as a movie thing, or actually Call of Duty, I would say, is bigger than movies right now. Cause of right, all the money I mean, they making. said it surpassed other, you know, because that's when the whole entertainment thing, like this year, when it, like, you know, sold gangbusters again, like, what was it, six million billion something stupid something quadrillion stupid number. zillion 600, yeah, 600 million or something like surpassed like star wars 
and like other like entertainment like juggernauts basically to be like the highest selling thing ever and i'm like really like it sold past star wars like I, I, this is going to be a problem like it, and it already was. I mean, it was already a problem before this year. people like, want that. Well, it's going to be a problem anyway because, yeah, people want that. That's all people want. People people want that so bad that they start putting on their blinders to the, to the fact that anything else exists. And that's how you get, you know, Call of Duty, you know, Modern Warfare 1 through 3. You get Black Ops. You get Homefront trying to be that. You get Battlefield trying to do call of duty and single player you have every shooter that like came out with a couple of exceptions basically trying to be call of duty and failing and then it's only going to keep going <laughs> yeah well the home front i think was the biggest because that was just a flat out call of duty clone they they didn't even remix that at all <laughs> you know that really was the same exact formula except instead of russians you had you know koreans yeah it was the highest profile failure of a of a clone <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and uh you know uh, what? i really liked the first modern warfare too i actually really enjoyed it because it wasn't it wasn't everywhere then you know it wasn't being ran down your face everyone wasn't doing the same thing i thought it was cool but then a few years into it it's like all right now they're just kind of devolving into this base elements of that and not really moving forward in any significant way, just getting pretty much the same game over and over again. And everybody else, like you guys said, and we've talked about this a hundred times on the podcast, everybody else is trying to be that. And it's just, it isn't fun anymore when everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. There's a lack of different experiences going on. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I'm the same way though. Like I enjoyed Modern Warfare. I did. But two Black Ops, three, I mean, like, two maybe I found some enjoyment in, but, like, Black Ops 3, I mean, like, it, that ship has sailed a long time ago for me. Like, and it's not even just like, oh, it was here first, you know, like, you know, oh, like, my band's only good if nobody else likes my band. Like, it's not right. that. Like, I, didn't, I played Modern Warfare relatively, like, well after the game came out, but, like, I enjoyed it. But then, like, 2 came out, and it was like, okay, well, you know, whatever. And then Black Ops, and I'm like, this is kind of the same thing, and it's not even made by the same person. And then three, right. and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so just bring out the same game every year. It really defeats the purpose of well, we have a different developer on it, so it's, it's going to be you know different, and it's good. They have two years to work on it. And it's like, well, they're just still doing the same exact design philosophy, and they're moving more towards trying to be like what the other guys have done. So it it just kills it. And that's why Modern Warfare 2 was the last last one of the series I bought. So I was just like, I don't feel like I need to play this anymore. It's always the same thing. You know, the problem is that instead of trying to improve the gameplay or come up with new gameplay dynamics, the only thing they're focusing on is how to make the set pieces bigger, make the explosions more explodier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they're doing. Like, how can... We just jump the shark even further, make the make the more impossible happen. That's what's... yeah. How can we have the shark jump a tank that's you know carrying a nuke that's on the back of a whale? Like that's yeah. like where they're like there's. But the thing is, like, and the, and they'll eventually understand if they don't already. Like you, you can only you know 
you can only like say blow up the world so many times. You know, you can only do that once in a game or whatever. Like you can only set off a nuke so many times. You can only have somebody chasing a nuke so many times. You can only have somebody assassinated. Well, I guess you can have somebody assassinated as much as you want, but you you can only do huge ridiculous things so many times. You can only have the Eiffel Tower fall over so many times before it all gets boring. Like no matter how big it is. Like despite the fact that technically every Modern Warfare has gotten bigger and bigger since Modern Warfare 1, the biggest moment that I've experienced in the Modern Warfare is still when that nuke goes off and you're a soldier dying in the middle of that city in the first Modern Warfare. Sorry for spoiler alert. Your turn, you know, that... You should have played statue, that by now. Your limitations are over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's still by like... Eris dies in Final Fantasy Seven. Oh my, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so he sorry. Dies Passion of the Christ. <laughs> like, but, I mean, that's still the biggest moment like I've experienced. And it was also a moment that hadn't been done before, where you're literally like crawling out of it, and you're like looking up in the sky, and then you die. Like, that was kind of a statement. And then it was totally fucking lost in everything that happens in Modern Warfare after that fact. Oh yeah, because you died like three or four times in Modern Warfare... Two. Well, then, like the first five minutes of games, I felt like I died like twelve times, and not like I died, but like the character I was playing, <laughs> playing is that you died. Actually, and, and it's so predictable now. Like, um, and I guess I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert, but you probably really don't care at this point. I'm not gonna tell you exactly what happens, but uh, there's a VIP you have to protect, right? Like, you're in a plane, plane goes down, you got to protect this VIP. It's people trying to kill the VIP, of course. Um, his helicopter lands, like you know, you find the VIP, and his helicopter finally lands, and it gl- the door glows like it, it glows for me to go open the door i'm just like i know exactly what's going to happen when i open this door i'm going to open this door and somebody's going to shoot me in the face and this guy is going to die and what happens i open the door somebody shoots me in the face my character dies oh I mean, it's so predictable. I'm like, really? Really? And even the part in Modern Warfare 3 where, like, when I see the Eiffel Tower, when I'm close enough to see the full Eiffel Tower, I'm like, yeah, they're going to blow that up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, it, it's the thing, like, and it's all, and I guess, like, the other problem is it's always the same way. Like, it's, you know, you, you there's certain things that are done that are like it's not a twist anymore when you know it's coming because you do it the same way every time a twist is coming. You know, like when you really focus in on that one big landmark, you know it's going down because that's what they do. Like they don't ever put a focus on a landmark just to say like, hey, there's the Eiffel Tower, isn't that cool looking? All right, get back to fucking work. Yeah. Like it's always like, oh, there's the Eiffel Tower. Okay, get back to. Oh my god, it's exploding! Ah, like <laughs> that's Call of Duty in a nutshell. <laughs> so, yeah. and yeah. you can only go f- do that so much. Like you know, and that's that's going to be the effect. Like, and a first-person shooter is like it's the worst. Like it's the absolute worst. That's where you could see it the most. But yeah. it has really affected other games. Not so much in terms of like how you know, in terms of spectacle, although it has in some ways. But just in terms of like the whole sales. You know, like if you don't sell enough, like we mentioned earlier, like you're looked as a failure and a lot of people have gotten just straight up closed like because of that perceived failure not even actual failure i don't know it's it's rough <laughs> yeah like yeah, if you're not a like a, a huge success is perceived as a failure not even like a minimal you know success you know because i mean homefront actually sold homefront sold they i don't i seriously doubt they lost money on homefront which in my opinion 
would make it would make it a success, a financial right. success. And, it, and it was successful enough that they're making a sequel. Yeah, so, exactly. It's just the studio that did it got closed down. The, the right. studio that did the original Homefront got closed down. You um, weren't good enough to do it right. So, bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the only... I mean, I do see glimmers of hope in games like Rage. Even though I do have my, my, my own issues with Rage. Uh, but, you know, Rage, Bulletstorm, Crisis 2. You know, those games actually improve shooter gameplay. You know, or move. I shouldn't. I shouldn't necessarily say just improve, but move it in a different direction than a whole right. bunch of enemies running at me at one time. You know, right. what I'm they, they had other aspects of gameplay, and even each of those individual games went in different directions. Like it wasn't like all of them unified went into a different direction than Call of Duty has gone into. Like they all like chose different paths to go different. You know, do, go different routes, doing things, and I think that works. You know. Like even Deus Ex, even though it wasn't technically like you know an FPS, like but it was, was like another step in the right direction. They just screwed up their boss fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that, otherwise, an excellent game, and it was basically it was really an FPS. So, it's you know between that and Crisis, like showed that you could have different like styles of gameplay within an FPS and like still have it be viable and stuff. Yeah, and I think they really need to stop treating like these games like. Hollywood blockbuster affairs, like inviting, inviting like actors and actresses and different, you know, celebrities to these like these these release parties that have nothing to do or know nothing about the game. Like, didn't Christina Aguilera go to the Skyrim release party? That's, yeah, that was the that was probably the worst example I've seen all year. Like, can she like even Skyrim. spell Dragonborn? Right. Like, <laughs> Skyrim was like really like why are any of these people at Skyrim like a Skyrim release party? Like, yeah, it's not. These are not the people who are really playing Skyrim. Like, let's be real. Let's be realistic for one second. At least when you're talking like Call of Duty or you're talking sports games, like yeah, you're gonna have sports guys who play like you know the different basketball, football games, or even the first-person shooters, because, like, there are people, like, they have a lot of free time. Like, that's what they do, and a lot of them are gamers, like, to a certain extent. Like, they do like to play some games. And, like, when you're talking Call of Duty or Battlefield and stuff like that, like, yeah, those guys are going to play those games. But when you're like, oh, here's this, like, singer or actress or, like, you know, this like 80 year old guy <laughs> who just happens to be famous or or a kardashian or something it's like well really because really like there's not been any evidence that they're a gamer at all or even have played games and it's funny because you know they have interviews and it's like oh so you like the game and they're like oh yeah it looks great i haven't played anything since pong it looks awesome you know Mario <laughs> one <laughs> yeah like it's like really like i, I mean, really like, like we bowling yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like we fit. It's great. Keeps you in know. shape. You know, I like play Angry Birds all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, can't stop. It's one of the least parties for those games. Like, I'm not saying that people aren't allowed to play games. Like that, you know, just because they're famous forever. Like, it's great if they want to play games. But like, it's just people that you see and you're like, this person's never, ever, ever, like been known as like a gamer or somebody who enjoys games or has ever mentioned games before or anything like they're there because they're famous and because like that will give this event some sort of recognition or that some place that people want to be and people want to cover because stars are there and it's like wrong wrong viewpoint for a lot of those games so i don't know i mean like yeah it's right. the whole wood blockbuster treatment that's an issue 
not everything is supposed to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Not even all, not even all Hollywood movies are Hollywood blockbusters. <laughs> so why should all video games be Hollywood blockbusters? Oh, well, that's what they I mean. They treat, they treat my, and that is part of the problem is probably the marketing people. They probably pick up these marketing people because they know they have, because the, 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 the marketing people they pick up are probably really successful at marketing media products like movies, TV shows, stuff like that. But I think it's a little different when you get into gaming because you have the gaming community, which I think is a, a bit more united. Or, or uh, of hive mind than let's say the movie community, if you can even call call it that. Like, you is there really a movie community? I, I mean, don't, I don't. Not in the same level that there's like a gaming community. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think yeah. that you more or less have like you know gaming, you know, movie critics, and like they're in their own way a community, but not as far as like people who just like to watch movies or people who are movie aficionados. Like, I don't think that there's like too much of like a like a widespread community the same way the gaming community is, you know, like there just isn't like even like, you know, music aside from like people who actually like make the music or make the movies or credit or, you know, or critics of the medium. I don't think that like, like gaming is unique for that reason because you're part of the experience. Like you're actively part of the experience. I also think that's part of the issue with those marketing people they bring in because they may be really good at selling like big media products, like you said. Yeah. But you know, gaming is different. Like, if you have a game and it is hard to show a video of a game or explain a game, like what it is, without you seeing what you do in it or or seeing or playing it yourself, like they have no idea what to do. Like, it, I'm I'm really happy and surprised that like they were even able to sell like Heavy Rain like in like a in a format that like made people go like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like enough to go buy it because like that could have gone very badly. Like, yeah, it's a game where you, like, you know, you pick up stuff and, like, you, you feed a child and you, uh, take Press a Press X for Jason. Right. Like, and people are like, oh, that sounds fucking horrible. <laughs> when does stuff blow up? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they were able to sell it, but, like, you know, like, but, like, not everything is that lucky, really, you know? Like, Homefront went from being, like, home is where the war is to Call of Duty. You know, like, it, there's just like an inability to sell something that's not something that's a spectacle too. Yeah. There's myriad problems with entertainment, you know, being, being perceived as an entertainment medium. Like I'm not saying like games need to be art cause I don't necessarily walk into my games thinking like, Oh, it better be artsy or anything either. But the, the idea that they need to be like Hollywood movies is the main problem. And it's one that the medium's going to struggle with anyway. As well, it grows. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. Like I, uh, I think there's some hope because you have some bigger names in the industry saying that, like actually Mike Caps, who I usually disagree with. I've had, I've definitely stated several disagreements with his philosophy and you know, uh, you know, a few things that he said. But uh, this year, you know, he said, you know, he a little concerned that you know with the the lack of double A titles to have his only triple A titles. How people are only going for triple A. And if you don't sell X amount of copies, it's considered a failure because it's stifling creativity. So that's you, why I'm introducing quadruple A. Uh, <laughs> be the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. Call, only Call of Duty sits secret. there. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think I think there's definitely people in the industry who are thinking the same thing we're thinking, and I'm glad that there's still studios out there who are trying to be unique 
like Crytek and uh, well, people that can fly who is owned by Epic. Um, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, Bethesda still, you know, Bethesda is definitely one of the a major studio who's still trying to think different. Um, Ubisoft, I don't know I guess they're a little on the fence cause some of the stuff they do is like, you know, okay, cool. And some of the stuff they do is like, oh, you're going to put out Assassin's Creed every year. All that right. game is serious has been so affected by the Call of Duty phenomenon it's it's ridiculous i think it was also affected by its own success though too i think that's the other thing like when anything gets really successful like because i think the 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 serial game you know phenomena is in a way separate from the entertainment thing because you're a victim of your own success at a certain point and if you don't ride out that success then you're you're making a mistake in the minds of you know like business people yeah. Like if you if you take a longer time to put out games or you like you take your time to put out something that's better, like when well if you put it out every year people will still buy it, like is the mindset, then like to them you're failing and it's a lot of suits in charge, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's I so think like that Assassin's that is Creed is a though. yeah, it was like a dual a dual you know, dual philosophy because I don't think you saw too many like of the too much of the the action movie treatment really with it as much as you just saw it being like becoming a serial game. But that hurting itself in a lot of ways, right? And I think it's a lot of though. You're right. It's de- it's definitely not like the kaboom. We just blew up it. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's gone. Why is there a nuke in Italy? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, yeah, older yeah. civilization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the aliens put it there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, more of the like. Well, we're super popular. We can come out every year like Call of Duty too, and and be you know this huge and right sell millions thing. of copies and it. For, it, it worked for a couple of years, and it's still. I, I just got Revelations for Christmas. Um, I just completed like the fourth sequence, so I've played the whole thing yet. And it, it's by no means a bad game. I'm enjoying it, but you can definitely see like they're starting to run out of ideas for bringing this in every year because most of the new stuff that they added is not good. In my opinion, it's just not good. Uh, the game is still fun, but it's certainly getting to a point where it's like, man, I don't know if I'm going to keep buying these every year. They need to stop this. And, you know, it, let it go away for a couple of years and then come back. You know, it works. It works for Nintendo. It works for Valve. It works for Blizzard. It works very well. And they still make a ton of money when they bring their games out. They make huge amounts of money. And yeah. everyone loves them for it. Uh, they they are in a unique circumstance though between those two because like they have other manner like other means of like either longevity of the titles or like you know Steam having Steam from Valve like it, they have like other means of making money in between those games so they don't have to like you know turn around and put out games every year although arguably you could say that about a lot of those companies though you know you could say the same thing for ea or activision easily well maybe not activision but you could say the same thing for ea like you don't need to be putting out you know the you know games every year because well you've got plenty of other other things that you can put out you're still making money from other stuff you're making money from online passes and shit (laughs) like you could still you don't need to do that and you know ubisoft like i mean they've got what just dance you know raving rabbits was big you know, I'm trying to think of like I think like Assassin's Creed has like become their flagship, and that's why they feel the need to to put it out every yeah, year. It has like compared to like you know like what other titles they have, like it's a serious moneymaker for them, and for them to take you know three years off from that would be probably not so great for their business. But still, like putting running a game on the ground is no good for your business either. It's just you know you got to find a happy medium at yeah. some point. It's not sustainable in the long term. 
it, right. it might be in, in not just the short term, but in the medium term, you know, you might be able to get away with that. Well, you definitely can actually. Forget about May. You definitely can. Right. But eventually, you become Guitar Hero. Yeah, you burn that bridge to to the extent where you can't use it anymore because people. And I'm don't. sure they see that, but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they just they just can't figure out what else can we bring out that's going to be big and it's going to like sell. Yeah, but I guess I, that's where they the, just have nothing else. I guess that's where the double A comes in, though. I mean, like when you could take a chance on something like Rayman Origins or something, like you know, I don't know how that sold. I mean, it came out relatively late this year, um, but you know, maybe you could take a chance on stuff that's not you know, triple A titles, like you can take a chance on double A and not need it to sell five million to to make it viable, then mm-hmm. you end up at a better place. You end up with other games and then you can rotate year to year between different franchises instead of having to run your own your one big franchise on the ground because that's what they're running in danger of doing. And it's just become a thing <laughs> amongst yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, like it's not even just Assassin's Creed's problem, but I think they're just in a unique circumstance that maybe that's why they they have gone the route they've gone. But yeah, I mean, definitely uh, even can't work Prince out. Prince of Persia game, where's that? Even though Prince yeah. of Persia is is kind of similar to Assassin's Creed in some ways, um, it's not like it's not like you bring it out like, oh, I'm not going to buy this because it's the same exact thing. It's not that close to it. Definitely, some inspiration was taken when they made. Uh, the first couple of Assassin's Creed's from Prince of Persia, but they they keep changing Prince of Persia the last couple they bring out. So I mean, give us yeah. another one of those. I wish give they would us... go back to not the old, not the old Prince from Sands of Time, but like the new Prince they introduced in the what was 2008 game. Like that had enough difference between that was the cel shaded one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that game a lot. Exploration, like a lot of people didn't, but I'm like that game was good. Like a game was really good, and like, it's at least like a franchise that you could put out and at least space the years between Assassin's Creed. Right. You know, so. And how about that Beyond Good and Evil sequel? What the hell is that at? Did you get that already? <laughs> What's going on there? Because uh, Beyond Good and Evil didn't sell a gajillion copies, so it's, yeah. a, it's kind of an indie title in a way. Yeah. yeah that, well, there you go again. It's exactly what he's saying. Like, well, it's it's not they're going to be the triple A, you know, selling a billion copies. So forget about it. Let's make another Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And I'm not saying stop making Assassin's Creed. I'm just I would like to <laughs> spread it out and give me something else in between. Well, yeah, because they're going to listen to this. Like, oh, you don't want Assassin's Creed? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's getting Assassin's Creed. Blame Nick Santangelo. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the press release. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, just in general, gaming is—it's got some 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 things to work out with with itself, really, in terms of you know it being perceived as entertainment medium, which is fine for some games, not all of them, and the sequelitis that is become so commonplace. But I mean, there's other stuff to to talk about in terms of the the state of the union. Yeah. So what's next? Uh, Nintendo last year being, you know, with the way their year went, they're kind of on shaky ground, not just because of the 3DS, but because of the poor Wii U showing. I mean, how is your console more popular before you show it than after? Yeah, that shouldn't happen. That, that shouldn't definitely shouldn't happen. happen. It sh- people should have been excited, and then once they saw it, they should have been really excited. But they showed it, and people were like, Wow, like, no, you know, a lot of, a lot of people not, no liking what they saw. I mean, how could you show a next gen console, but only show clips from the current gen consoles? Uh, That was a terrible idea. I think the problem was that the information leaked out, 
and that Nintendo was not ready, but they said, "Hey, people are going to be expecting this, uh, so let's just show them, let's just show them." And they they really thought that controller was going to be the big thing, and people were like, "What?" Yeah, they yeah. Their hand too early. They definitely they definitely should have waited. Um, I, I'll, I'll never forget. I don't think. Uh, What's his face from EA? Like, hey guys, this is EA here. We're really on board with the Wii U. It's gonna be awesome. Um, Battlefield Three on the Wii U, and then they, like show some footage. Like, wouldn't that be cool if we did that? We're not, but wouldn't it be cool if we did? Come yeah. on, <laughs> maybe we'll do that one day. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> you know, pretty much. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, been. If oh, just showed, even if we should have just got like one game from Nintendo and be like, hey, this is like the flagship thing that we're working on. Here's a sneak peek. We can't show you everything. Here's some of the stuff it, it's going to do. Here's a, you know, some footage. And, you know, this is kind of what we're thinking about with this console. And, you know, this is what we want people to see, third parties, and, you know, make stuff like this. And to be fair, they didn't not show anything that was, you know, specific to Wii U. The problem is what you showed was a bunch of, like, Wii Sports type, or not even Wii Sports type, but, like, games involving Miis and stuff. And, like, unfortunately, guys, like, that's not that exciting. Like, you showing me launching cannonballs at a pirate ship with the controller or whatever, like, doesn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, especially when it looks like, you know, Wii Sports graphics, like. It's not, that's not what you need to show up and show. Like, I think maybe they did think that, you know, because they, they're the ones that really started the whole motion gaming trend that, like, if they came out, showed this controller and, you know, showed some of, like, the social, like, play aspects of it, you know, being able to integrate controllers you already have with the Wii and stuff with it, that, like, they thought it would be enough and it just, it just wasn't. Like, especially when you've, maybe not even you've said, but you've, had like a lot of leaks and stuff and like a lot of it tilts towards being a, a platform that's both good for casual gamers the same way that we was and being good for hardcore gamers because it's powerful and you just came out and really didn't I, maybe you showed some for the casual but like not even I don't even think they really showed enough for them honestly yeah like, it, I, there's cool nobody that I, going that direction but they kind of they got away from it, and Nintendo's done this a few times. They got away from their own mantra of, you know, it's software that really matters, and that E3, it's it's about the hardcore gamer. It really is. Like, you're going to have those, you know, Wii U sports or, you know, Wii U whatever type games, but this is not the venue to make that your flagship at. It's really not. And most of the time, Nintendo comes out and has really great E3 showings, but then every once in a while, they just they just get away from that, and they just focus on this stuff that, like, everybody there is like, okay, whatever, where's the stuff that I care about? And it just wasn't there. Yeah, and I think, actually, their showing was going all right until the Wii U portion, because the 3DF stuff they were showing was actually promising. Yeah, it was yeah, the 3DF they were showing They were showing software, they were showing the, you know, the, the program yeah. for... You know, people who already adopted and they were they were doing well, and then they showed the Wii U, and it was just kind of like a, an apropos of nothing. Like it wasn't, I, I can't necessarily call it terrible because it wasn't the Microsoft press conference. Yeah, because <laughs> no, I mean, terrible. I did definitely sit there and say like, okay, the controller is pretty cool for this. Like, I, it's interesting in the things they can do, but and that's the problem. You know, like I was left with like the controller is cool, but. 
you yeah, know yeah. what else ha- what else have we what can we look forward to what else is this thing gonna you know what else can this thing offer you know because like a controller's not gonna not gonna do it like not on its own you, you need know? to show us in practice yeah how, especially how when this, you're how does this work it's cool that there's the potential like you're saying but how is it actually going to work what is it act what are you actually going to do with all this stuff that's going to get me excited what are you doing differently to to change you know what do you screw it up with the Wii? How, how are we really fixing this in practice? Right. And like hear any of that. Then after the fact, like finding out that like you keep maybe can't even use two more than one of the tablet controllers with the system. It was like, wow. So yeah, it was just bad news after bad news. Yeah. yeah it just, it just seemed like a, it was a downturn. Like so as soon as you three hit, there was like since heard that maybe they will, but it's still not a hundred percent. It's like maybe to. they're looking into it, but the, the point is, this was at, at E3. This is your big coming out party. We're told that no, it's not going to do that. Yeah, and then on top of that, like we heard reports that the developers were having issues connecting controllers to the actual console. Uh, you know, they, they were just having a couple other different types of issues. But basically, all the news after E3 were pretty much it was almost all, all negative about the Wii U. Yeah, you know, we still like, don't know what it's going to look like. Right, the, the the games and with the hardware spec, I mean, it's definitely going to look better than the current gen. That's the thing; it will look better than, than current gen consoles. But I mean, it's still not. Gonna, it's I think if you bring a new console out the gate, you need to be you. The console needs to look as good as top of the line PC if it's going to last. Which I agree with, with the hardware spec it has. It will not look as good as hard as it. Pro- it won't look as good as like a higher high end PC. I've expressed the same concerns from day one. That just just to bring out your console and talk about how we're we're going after the hardcore again. Now we realize, hey guys, we kind of screwed up. We're going to fix it, but then it, we're going to fix it by bringing out a console that's a little bit better looking than what you have right now. That's not going to do it. That doesn't really cut it for me. Especially if you're talking like another, you know, another almost ten year life cycle, you know, or another six seven years, like. Mm-hmm. That's really not going to do it because, like, you know, even if PS4, you know, Xbox Next or whatever you want to call it, um, comes out and, like, they are on the same spec as top-of-the-line PC, like, I mean, 360 and PS3 were, like, top-of-the-line then, and, like, now they look not bad, but, like, you compare it to, like, super, you know, like, the top-end PC graphics now, and it's, like, starting to look a little old, starting to look a little stale, you know, like... And graphics aren't everything, but like, let's let's throw away the myth that it doesn't matter at all because right. like it does. Yeah, that's not true either. So I mean, like, it's at the best you're maybe hoping to keep the audience that you have with the Wii, but I'm like you're losing you're losing that audience in a lot of ways to the smartphones and you know casual other casual things because like you're not moving along fast enough in a way and. If the price is prohibitive too with the Wii, which is the rumblings that have been going around, that you know it may come out and be four hundred plus dollars, like you kind of lose the only advantage you did have when you were right. going after that casual market because they were the cheapest console on the market. And I mean, like they're not going to be launching into next gen. Like if they're the first out, they're not going to be the cheapest. I don't think because you know other the other systems have like had time to price drop and stuff like that. But they, it should definitely be cheaper than what the other systems come out at for PS4 and the next Xbox, you know. But if you're only a hundred dollars cheaper or fifty dollars cheaper, like, not going to cut it. 
not at this point. Like not not after what people become accustomed to, especially the casual market. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what we're what we're gonna well what we're gonna see for lack of a better word next with this thing. Um, I mean, we're now just about ten days when we're recording this away from Consumer Electronics Show when Nintendo is going to bring in the Wii U out again. But they've already said that we're not going to see the thing in final form until E3. So I'm um, I'm really curious to see if they we see anything actually new at CES or if this is just going to be here's what you saw at E3 again. Yeah, kind of that, a boarded launch. <laughs> they yeah. they need games like now. They need to show games this time. This right. used to be a recurring theme because 3ds had the same fucking issue. Yes, it did. I mean, like at least 3ds like had a couple things when it came out, but like Wii U, it's like we're not even seeing anything now. Like there's not a single thing like even been confirmed. As far as like, I mean, like there's been some a couple of third party games been confirmed, but like it's not a Nintendo launch until you see a Nintendo game. Right. Right. And we haven't we haven't even heard, you know. And when he says Nintendo game again, we're not talking about Wii U Sports. We're talking about where's the Mario platform or where's Zelda, where's Metroid, Donkey Kong, right, even, something, yeah, Mario Kart, something. something. I can get something. Yeah, yeah. yeah Star Fox. I'll, I'll sell for any of this. Pikmin Three. Right. We're we gonna see that part. <laughs> no. Is that, never going to see is Pikmin that the smaller 3. game Miyamoto is working on? No, I don't think you're ever gonna see Pikmin Three again. Yeah. That's not true, though. I mean, you will, but I don't think that's gonna be. You know what they would need at launch. They need a Mario game at launch. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they they definitely need to stop fucking around and be like, okay, listen, guy, we need we need your help. <laughs> Especially since Mario Galaxy Two was what last last summer or well yeah. not not last but 2010 winter. Yeah, I think that was 2010. Yeah, so that's a long enough gap if it's coming out end of 2012. But you know what? They've seen like what Mario games do for them. Like, look what happened over Black Friday weekend. Because right. of uh, you know Mario, yeah, 3DS was on shaky ground. I mean, that's the other aspect of this. 3DS was on shaky ground. Now it's looking good. Hardware. And now all of a sudden, it's like over four million sales for the year. Like it's looking a lot healthier. Like as long as they get some more games coming out, sells fucking gangbusters over Black Friday, and you know all of a sudden looks like a contender in a lot of ways. Like or at least looks decent again. Yeah, but they it's will hooked. have to string together more stuff in the future. We I, we do need to see this release um, calendar rounded out a little more, especially from third parties. But absolutely, you guys are right. Um, Mario Kart Seven and uh, the Mario I can't remember the name. God Mario damn it. Land Three D. Yeah, I reviewed the game. The name or is Mario Three D Land or <laughs> yes, something Mario like that. Three D Land, Super Mario Three D Land. That's it. Yeah. Um, definitely boost the thing along with the Mario pack that you got too which I mean it was just a red 3DS with Mario 3D land in it that's all that counts <laughs> all that matters yeah and that was May of 2010 by the way when Mario okay. Galaxy 2 um, came so we yeah were so plenty there. of fucking time and on top of that like Smash Brothers Smash Brothers is all a fucking Wii U oh yeah <laughs> Smash, definitely Smash Brothers will. are quick and in a hurry <laughs> Well, we know they haven't even started working on that yet. I know, but that's a stupid part. But I'm like, there's enough of a gap that's been since your last, like, really big games. Like, you know, even Donkey Kong, Kirby, like, all those came out in 2010. Like, there's not really been anything this well, year. Kirby had 2011 been... game, too. Oh. It had two, actually, didn't it? Had a 3D, yeah, a, it had a 3DS? Oh, I had a, and a, 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 yeah, a, a DS. A DS oh. and a Wii game. And it had the Wii game. Well, But anyways, the point, he's, he's right. The point he's making is right, nonetheless. There has been a gap. 
And Nintendo yeah, and there's has been especially enough of a gap that you could have been working on something for the Wii yeah. U. And I hope yeah. to God that's what's been going on. <laughs> Obviously, they was like, we're just taking a break. Everybody's on a beach. Like, yeah, we're done making those Wii games. <laughs> oh, Wii U's coming. We got time for that. Like, I hope that I hope to God that like Wii has been so barren because they're working on like you know just Jeez, Wii U though. projects out the the wazoo just all over. And it has been disgusting in 2010 with the Wii. It really has. There's, there's no other word that I can use to describe. Uh, you had Zelda, which was fantastic, and you had nothing else. There was nothing else. You had that Kirby game, I guess. Was anybody really that excited? No. I, I, maybe yeah, I mean, like, Epic Yarn was good, but, like, I didn't even know there was another Kirby game after that. Yeah, this there year. you go. Rob I really didn't know. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my job to know this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it, kind of, it was very quiet. That game just kind of came. I was like, "Hey, it's another Kirby." Well, also, I guess because they brought one out last year for the for the Wii. Right, um, and that one was so different nice and unique and something else. And it, Nintendo historically has been very bad with this this transitional years between consoles. I mean, the, the GameCube was a dead zone for its last year. Oh God, yeah, nothing. And the N sixty four was pretty much the same way. I think there was yeah, Conker's Bad Fur Day down the stretch for N sixty four. But that, and was that was really, really it. That, that was, was really like the it. only game I was yeah. playing. That game, like, yeah. people were people were you know playing Perfect Dark still, which has been out for a while. Um, Although, did you really need anything other than like Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, and Congress? Really did. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Mario sixty four yeah. was out. Mario sixty four. I'm like, that's that's really all I like. I mean, after a while, it's like, well, what else mattered? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but you're also past that point now. That that doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't. Yeah, like, the competition is so heavier, so much more heavy now, and then there's there's so many more options out there for people to play on so many platforms. It's, people, people aren't just going to sit and wait and like, okay, I'll, I'll get all 120 stars of Mario Galaxy 2 again for the fifth time and just wait for that next Nintendo game. People are going to go play Xbox or PlayStation or Steam or something. Yeah, it's and multi-platform. You at least have the option of mobile gaming, tablets people have. You can go on and play a browser game, PC. Like Most people have at least another platform, so they're not going to sit around and wait. Like It's probably crazy to like somebody who's younger to even think about the idea of sitting there with literally basically five games on the N64 over a course of years and having those be the games that like you kept a system for. Yeah, you know? and maybe Smash Brothers and you know, well, Smash Brothers on top of that too. But like, Star Fox. that's it. You know, like, it's not getting any better next year for the Wii. It's not the, you got like one game that people are looking forward to, and you're only really looking forward to it probably if you're like a super you know addicted oh, to your weight. Like you what got game yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, unless you are really tuned into Wii, you don't even know. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles just got announced for North American release finally which is a Japanese RPG from Monolith, which looks pretty good. It, it's gotten really good reviews. That's coming out in April. Um, so you got that. And then, and then they're sitting on, which drives me nuts, and a lot of other people, um, Miss Walker Studios game, The Last Story, which looks like a phenomenal action RPG. And they're just kind of sitting back. Hopefully people actually buy Xenoblade Chronicles now that they're actually bringing it out. You're not playing anything else on your way anyway, so why, why the hell not? And then maybe we get that over the summer for Wii and there's something else to play. But ultimately, it, it, even if you get that, even if you get two games, it's going to be another crappy year for the Wii. So 
they need to get people excited about the Wii U, and they need to do and it now. People are, yeah, exactly. Like people are not excited, and I mean, they would have been in a real big trouble if the 3DS wouldn't have picked up. But now things are looking up That's because true. the 3DS picked up, and now now they just need to deal with the whole Wii U PR crisis. So they re- they need a really big showing coming out of CES. And, yeah, I mean, they were losing money hand over fist for a while, like. And yeah. 3ds coming back kind of saved them. So I mean, they got they got kind of lucky in a way. But it took two price drops and a you know Black Friday like or Black Friday oriented release of Mario to save it right in the course of a year. So you can't really do you can't most you can't really replicate that again. <laughs> you got Resident Evil and Kid Icarus coming in the first quarter of of this year. So hopefully that helps them to keep things moving along. But yeah, CS. We know the big show is going to be at E3, but we got to see something cool at CES to get us pumped for E3. Because otherwise, yeah. I'm not even that excited for E3. I'll never count it <laughs> out, but something's got to happen. Yeah. So, um, the last thing we have here is uh, the constant, the constant <laughs> doom saying of dedicated handhelds. Doomed! This, yeah, like this is something that from the beginning of last year all the way to now people is just that mobile gaming is going to kill dedicated handheld high phone is killing dedicated handheld and you know and actually those the the volume of that got cranked up so high when the 3ds came out and didn't do that great which is just funny because they just took them oh yeah see see mobile gaming killing did it get a handheld they didn't even mention the fact that the problem was one pricing and two software it wasn't nope. that pe- it, it, it wasn't that people weren't buying it because oh i got angry birds what do i need a 3ds for <laughs> that's that's not what they were doing that is not what they were doing it was like you know even me like you know i've had every nintendo handheld on release day, except the 3DS. Was it because I was playing Angry Birds? No. It was because I didn't see the value in paying 250 for a handheld that didn't have any software I wanted. You know? Even people who did pick up the 3DS, every, the, pretty much everyone complained about the initial launch titles. You know? Yeah. The majority of the reason I picked that game, the, blah, that game, the system up, Early on, I didn't get it at launch, but I got it shortly after. And the majority of the reason was so that someone else on our staff would have it to review things for the site. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I knew when I was buying it, I was like, all right, I'm going to get Zelda. That'll be fun. It will be. It'll be really good. And it was just a great remake, but it was still, it's like, I'm, it's 13 years old. I've played it 100 times. And then um, you knew there was nothing else coming until the fall. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and the the Vita didn't even come out, and people are it's gonna fail. Some saying some some no nobody saying it's gonna die a miserable premature death. You know, because yeah. because it's you know it's a closed it's a closed system, and people are just giving various reasons why you know the the dedicated handhelds are gonna die, and it they're they're all they all just sound silly especially with nintendo breaking their own records over a weekend you know over black friday weekend yeah pretty much with the release of one game a mario game which we just talked about you know right and like completely discounting the fact that 
you know, the DS sold like 50 million over its lifetime, and its lifetime still technically isn't over yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, People like, forget that the DS started off really slow. Oh, yeah. It definitely started slow. It didn't, you know, it didn't pick, I, I wouldn't even say it picked up in its first year. Mm-mm. Not yeah. until the DS well, Lite came out, which yeah. is, what, like a year, probably a year plus after launch, maybe? Yeah. I don't, I don't know the exact time frame. That could be a little off. Right. I mean, I think I think Nintendo has shown that you know dedicated handhelds still have a place in the market. I think when the Vita is released in the U.S. and Europe, it's really just gonna. I, I really hope that stops the doomsaying because I really can't see the Vita not selling. Yeah, it, yeah. it's very convenient to say things are doomed because of where where we are right now. Like you said, it's like well, you got two systems that were at the end of their life, and then another one that launched with very little compelling software and at a price that was kind of outrageous yeah. for what they were offering. But give this thing some time to breathe. Let's bring out some new some new hardware and actually get some software on it and then let's see where we stand. I mean and the thing is the analysts treat game gamers as like, you know, we're one market when we're actually multiple. Right. You know, there's a casual market and maybe the casual people won't want to you know, they don't see the value in buying a dedicated handheld when they can have fun playing a game on their phone but for and you don't even have to be hardcore to appreciate dedicated handheld gaming you know what i'm saying like there's just gamers who like the fact of taking an actual game with them because i mean there 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 are no games on a handheld that really match up well not sorry not handheld but on a mobile device that really match up with the experience that you get uh on a dedicated handheld like you know like one of my favorite you know, dedicated handheld games or a game on my PSP is uh, Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep. There's no way I'd enjoy that experience without buttons, right. <laughs> or or even have that experience on a on an iPhone or an iPad or anything else. Like you can't even do that right now. Exactly. You, you literally can't even do that on those right now, and you wouldn't be able to play it for more than like two hours at a time, maybe. Even and like you're could. saying, though, that it's two different markets. And, you know, that's fine. You want to sell, you know, 100 million copies of, of Angry Birds and whatever to, to people that just don't really care about getting that really in-depth, deep experience. That's fine. You can do that and be successful. But that doesn't mean that we're going to stop buying dedicated handheld systems. You know, that's still what serious gamers want, I think. Yeah, sometimes. And, and just because, like, an audience doesn't hit, you know, 50 million people or whatever the case is, you know, all at once doesn't mean it's a failure. I think it's kind of the same problem as like the whole entertainment medium thing with Call of Duty and stuff. Like, it's a, there's a parallel at least that, you know, if you're not hitting like a certain audience, then like you're failing. But like sometimes, like, you have to know exactly who your audience is. And if your audience is 10 million gamers, then that's just your audience. You know, like, just because like you're not reaching like another 20 million people who have a smartphone doesn't mean that you're not you're not you're failing you're not doing something right like you know who you who you're aiming for and like that's totally you know like it's totally okay it doesn't make you a failure but i think the problem with all the people who are like all the talking heads that want to say that dedicated handheld is doom and all that kind of stuff are people who see it as an all or nothing like they see that you know every single person who has a smartphone has to eventually like you know it's it's doing so well that everybody that does, has one of those has to want to drop handhelds you know they don't want it they don't even want to spend money on it you know that like that somehow like one precludes the other or that you can't have both or then you know nobody will go out and buy both and yet you have people who stand around and they buy every every iteration of the the iphone even though they're not on a contract year and then they buy the ipad and then they buy the ipad too 
and I want to tell you to shut up because like obviously there are people who if you care enough about a product like you'll buy you know even if it's two different products like you will buy that product regardless like you will have more than one platform if you feel that it's worth having so it's not you know like and I guess the idea is you know the the whole argument is about value of a dedicated platform but I mean you just you just said it like you your your favorite game on you know on PSP like you can't even play on you know you could never play on a, on a mobile on a mobile platform like same for me you know like I I love the shit out of Final Fantasy Dissidia I can't play that on <laughs> I can't play that on a mobile device I would scream trying to play a fighting game on a mobile device like in that way and that even sounds pretty games, awful even the games that have gotten have gotten moved over you know like you've got like you're still talking like Mega Man X being fucking terrible you're talking X-Men Arcade which is okay but still like without buttons is pretty pretty difficult terrible to play um and it's like you you even maybe you get up to like Infinity Blade you know in terms of like okay well there's the top of the hill and that's fine but how many other things stand on the top of the hill with that game right like there's not a whole lot else that's up there, especially with like an experience that's like that, at least. Because even Angry Birds, you know, stuff like that, like they're all really simple experiences that you're charging a dollar for or whatever. But, it, but anyway, like as a gamer, though, me having a smartphone doesn't mean that I won't buy a mobile device or a, a dedicated handheld if I feel it's worth it. It's the same way that me having a PS3 doesn't didn't stop me, or me having a 360 didn't stop me from buying a PS3 because I felt it was worth it. It like it's the same thing but the problem is it's just not seen that way it's seen as if you have a smartphone there's no reason that you would want to get a handheld you'd be stupid to want a handheld and that's basically what they're saying and that's stupid <laughs> like yes <that>. yes <laughs> it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way yeah, yeah. i mean I, uh, once the ps vita comes out and it does, you know, well. Uh, well, maybe it, it, it survives. Let's just say it survives. Right. I think we will see, uh, definitely see a decrease in all of this, you know, all of this. I don't, though, because it's in the, in a lot of these people's benefit to keep talking about it that way. It's in uh, a lot sure. of their benefit. Like, if you're developing a game for a mobile platform and you're not doing anything for handhelds or your game would be looked at and kind of laughed at on a, on a handheld, you know, compared to other stuff that's on it. Like, or your Facebook, or your, you know, any, any number of other people, like if you're Zynga Games or Rovia, you have every, every inclination, every reason to keep tooting that horn that dedicated handheld is dead, because it gives you a bigger space. Right. So, I don't think that you see it go away, but I think, it, you know, in a couple of years, as long as, like, fucking Sony and Nintendo do what they should do, that you'll see the talk decrease, you right. know. The iPhone can still go ahead and sell, you know, how millions and millions, you know, over over time or whatever. But you know, Vita and, and 3DS, like 3DS selling over four million in a year is no by no means a failure. But just because it doesn't sell a million on day one or whatever doesn't mean it's failure. And I think that's just the the perception. Like if you're not hitting the maximum possible audience in the shortest amount of time at once, you're failing. It'll be a lot easier to disqualify all that stupid crap once yeah, they, they come out and start selling. <laughs> you, know, you can yeah. keep saying your shit, Absolutely. but then we'll just go, you know, X million copies sold. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. People are still buying it, you know, like you could, yeah, they absolutely correct. 
as long as they do well or they keep going in the right direction, like it'll be okay. You know, Vita slowing down its sales, it's only in one territory. There wasn't like a killer app game for it necessarily. And it's it hasn't even been released worldwide. You know, when an iPhone or whatever comes out, like it gets it gets it hits worldwide. You know, yeah. everybody's buying it day one. Like, I think it's worth noting see. that the Vita kind of dropped off a little bit after that. But it, to try to stretch that out to be like, well, this is indicative of how its entire lifespan is going to be. That's pretty far fetched. Yeah, I definitely saw people who were like, "Dud," and I'm like, "Really, <laughs> really? Can you call it a dud until it's even out in every territory? Just like it sold, it sold well on day one. It didn't sell amazing. It sold well." And just because there's a drop-off doesn't mean it's a fucking failure. Not when it's not out in every territory. If it came out in the U.S. and it sold 100,000, yeah, issues. And then sold even less after that, like, yeah. There's, there's, there's maybe some room to talk about, like, oh, man, see, not worth it. But it, even, if they, even, if, even if they do fail, I mean, like, and people can only pump money into something so much. But even if they do fail, that doesn't mean the dedicated handheld is dead. It yeah, just means you know, that, though, you can always just drop your price and give away twenty free PlayStation One games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put on the App Store. It's always that. Cent, put on ninety nine cent. You know, PlayStation games on the on the Vita. You know, store or whatever, <laughs> and then just play it like the handheld. <laughs> uh, play it like smartphone market. Fantastic. <laughs> I, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be that bad, and I hopefully the talk does lessen. But we'll see. Let's it, give it a chance. Yeah, it gets a little annoying. Uh, you know, when you hear the same thing every single week, and you're just like, shut up. You really don't know what you're talking about. So, pretty but, much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. Hey, and somebody's saying that about us right now. They're like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't think anybody else knows what anybody's talking about. But when you can demonstrate that it's false, you know, not because Apple is failing or something, but because there's, but because, you know, the console makers are still succeeding. Like, it's it, that's enough right there. That's all. That's yeah. all you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's room for everything. <laughs> yeah, there there's room for. There can be more than one. This is not Highlander. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> it would be kind of awesome to see people running around with like you know laser swords coming out of their handhelds and their iPhones and like cutting people's heads off in alleyways and stuff and having huge epic fights. But it's cool until you see it. Right, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, he just chopped that guy's head off. Isn't this what you wanted, Rob? Yeah, <laughs> lifting, his, lifting his PS Vita into the air and like electricity striking him and stuff. Yeah, I'm actually I pretty comfortable with awesome. my head. I entirely hold that that would still be awesome, even if I had to witness it firsthand. But we're not there yet, guys. <laughs> we're not there. It's the coming. Society it's hasn't created that coming. badly yet. Yeah. But um yeah, so that's gonna wrap us up here, uh, in our in our state of the gaming union twenty twelve. Which uh as long as the match cast is around we'll probably do it yearly. So in summary, <laughs> uh, everything da, is doomed. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the clip notes. Yeah, things are <laughs> shitty, everything's doomed. Have a nice day. Bye. <laughs> yeah. no. Everything is doomed except gaming. We will see you in the post apocalypse next year. <laughs> That's yeah, right. but that's right, man. Apocalypse. We may not even have to do a match cast next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who knows? We may not have a, a State of the Union 2013. So, I, I don't believe that. I'm not an idiot. But yeah, <laughs> like, just, just let you know. <laughs> In the event of that, everyone just re-listen to this. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I just keep listening to this. Right. Yeah, it'll keep you sane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Uh, once again, thanks for you for listening all year and you know putting up with me, Rob, and, and Nick. Yes, uh, thanks, Nick. And I'm going to say thanks for listening this whole year coming up. <laughs> but yeah. I believe that you're going to be listening, not just that you listened and you're like, "Fuck this shit." <laughs> <laughs> He's the optimistic one. No, <laughs> I would like to, this group. <laughs> I would like to hope so. Yeah, we definitely uh, appreciate all the comments, uh, the feedback, and, and the listening everybody's given us. And we hope that we can uh, continue to entertain you uh, in 2012. Uh, one quick announcement regarding the actual uh, Mashcast proper: we are changing the day you will be getting your Mashcast. Ooh, official announcement! Yay! Fun starting. Yeah, it's an official announcement. Um, you, the Mashcast, you know, obviously you're used to it on Mondays. This is being released on a Monday, but we will actually be releasing the Mashcast on a Friday now. On well, now Fridays, period. Um, this will actually give you guys an additional two days to listen to the Mashcast. Uh, before we record the next, because we're recording on Thursdays, and so you actually now have two extra days to comment on our question of the week. How you like that? Does that, does that no work for you? No more excuses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more time to listen. You can have it over a weekend or on your drive time commute. You know, on the Fridays. So you know, it'd be a good I time. I don't want to pump it up too much, but it's pretty much the greatest thing of all time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that might have been popping up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, if you actually, if you missed the question of the week and Mashcast 33, it was, you know, what are you looking forward to in 2012? You still have time to answer that, guys. <laughs> you still have time to answer the, the question of the week. So get in there. Uh, we also, we got a few responses already. So we definitely want to hear what you have to say. Uh, but once again, uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to wrap this up. And thanks for listening. We will catch you guys. Uh, well, it's going to be 2012 by the time you listen to this. So we'll catch happy you guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. And we will catch you guys for the rest of the year. All right. See everybody in uh, the rest of 2012. See you at the end of the week. Yep. Later. Later.